Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more. Welcome everyone to episode 98 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek and today we're going to talk about surprises and disappointments through the first quarter of the 2017-18 NBA season. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. We're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check that out. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. I'm out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. We recorded approximately 20 minutes ago, so no change. <laughs> yeah, we're recording... 97 and 98 back to back just banging them all out on a nice sunny friday afternoon so let's let's dive right into the surprises mort um i'd say i mean so far this season there have been a lot of good ones and then a couple bad ones that we'll get to later we almost have to start with the detroit pistons right like Mm -hmm. most of us penciled them in as a fringe playoff team kind of in the mix with philly charlotte miami for that seven or eight spot Right now, they're number two in the East. They are tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers in terms of games back from Boston, but they have a slightly higher win percentage. I mean, it's it's really, you know, Reggie Jackson is playing well coming off the last year last year. Tobias Harris is turning into the kind of go-to scorer that they needed. But the big story with Detroit is Andre Drummond. I mean, in, in terms of scoring and rebounding, he's basically right in line with career averages. Shot blocking, the same story. Assists, though, heading into the year, he had never averaged more than 1.1 assists in his career. He was a 
through the first five years of his career, 0.7 per game. This year, 3.7 per game. Before this year, he had never had more than four assists in a game. So far this year alone, he's had six games with five or more, including two with seven. I mean, the fact that the Pistons have basically changed his role on the fly, turned him into more of this, he's not a ball handler, but turned him into more of an offensive focal point and a hub where they can base their playmaking around, that's been a big story. I mean, they're cutting out his post-ups and they're using him this way. And look at the success they've been having with it. So, you know, we, we gave our uh, an update into the award race recently. And in retrospect, like, Andre Drummond should be right up there for most improved players, should he not? It's two major aspects that he's improved upon. Free throw shooting and mm-hmm. playmaking slash assists. So, I would argue Yes. Uh, but I get, I can I get counter arguments though. Yeah, right. I do too. I mean, it's <laughs> those two things are really the drastic improvements. And aside from that, he's you know he's still just a same old gobbler. Yeah, but yeah. like the fact that you know he headed into the year as a question mark, and they didn't know whether they could build around him, and they were shopping him at the trade deadline last year and listening to offers over the summer. Mm-hmm. Now, like, all the teams that called about him and were trying to get him and then balked at the price, like, I bet there are a lot of remorseful front offices right now, given the improvements he's shown both as a passer and a free-throw shooter, as you mentioned. 63.0% from the free-throw line, by far his career high. It does not seem as though, you know, he's not going to hit 80%, probably, ever in his career, but... Oh, no, maybe not even 70, but... Yeah, the fact he's gone from below 40 to above 60 means yeah. the hack of Drummond thing isn't going to be as prevalent as it once was. So shouts to Andre Drummond, shouts to the Pistons. Looking forward to seeing y'all in the playoffs if everyone stays healthy. Mort, who's, yeah. a, who's a, a surprise that's caught your eye so far? I mean, I called him as an all-star before the season, but that was not like a testament to his skill. That was more of an, as my description of the Eastern Conference. <laughs> right. That was Aaron Gordon. Yeah. But now I'm kind of I'm 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 sticking with my All Star prediction, but I'm changing my argument and going. Mm-hmm. Now he deserves it. Now he's not just a black guy on the Eastern Conference. He's actually doing something worthwhile. The Magic have unfortunately turned back into dust or whatever right. <laughs> because they were they were looking really good and they're 9 of 13 right now uh they just lost uh, let's see three oh they lost nine in a row yeah before winning against okc because obviously you win against okc these days <laughs> right yeah but aaron gordon 18.6 points a game 8.4 rebounds 44 percent from downtown 51 percent from the field it's getting to the line, not as much as I was hoping for and not as much as I thought his build could take. So I want to see a little bit of improvement there. Mm-hmm. 4.3 free throws a game, hitting them at 76%. I once called Aaron Gordon like the new age Draymond mm. because I thought that he would be able to uh, be a playmaker and get his assists up. And I, I want to sort of... But I want to both pat myself on the back and I want to slap my own jaw really hard because 
here's the thing. The assist numbers are not really going to come, but that dude has a very good handle, and he mm-hmm. can dribble the basketball up the court. And the advantage that you have as a f- power forward taking the ball off the glass and being able to dribble the ball up court and setting up an offense, it just throws offenses off. It's th- this playmaking for, and you know, credits to Zach Lowe for coining the phrase, what, th- two, three years ago? Mm-hmm. But the playmaking for is a thing, and Gordon is seems to be a type of guy who understands it and utilizes it. Mm-hmm. And I really dig how he's using his athleticism on both ends of the court now. Defensively speaking, he's he's taking more chances with his own body, which I appreciate. And and I know that what you're going to say, it also helps that he's playing his natural position. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. I agree completely. It's it's a it's a terrific point, and it's definitely something that we uh, that we should be happy to see. And let's just hope it's the case moving forward. I could just imagine orlando trading for a four and then hey aaron got news buddy how do you like to play the three (laughs) terrence terrence ross is out indefinitely anyway so please no not again yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he's he's been a surprise i thought he would be i guess sort of average Mm -hmm. you know being one of those guys who got decent and then kind of stuck around that area Mm mm-hmm but then I kind of realized he's a big. Yeah. He's not one of those wings that stagnates for years and years. He's a big, and now he's being utilized as a big. He's a strange big, but a big nonetheless. So, yeah, I mean, good on you, Aaron Gordon. And take more shots. You're He's taking 12.8 shots attempts a game. I want to mm-hmm. see that bump up to, like, 15, 16. Yeah. I mean, the fact he's canning free throws at the rate that he is is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I did, that's the thing that's caught me by surprise. I expected... Not this type of a breakout, but definitely him to take a big step forward now that, as you said, he's playing his natural position because he's done this after each of the past two All-Star breaks. They shifted him to the four, and like lo and behold, he was actually this really good do-it-all playmaker type player. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that three-point shooting, that's a surprise. I did not see that coming this quickly for him. He started to regress a little bit in that department. He was up near i think 50 percent through his first 10 or 12 games now he's still north of 40 but falling (laughs) much like the magic um but i mean still it's a testament to his devotion to his craft the fact that he added that big element to this game that he that he realized this is where the nba is going and i'm going to not have you know i'm either going to be a tweener without a jump shot or i could be you know, a $100 million player if I add this three-pointer. Mm-hmm. So, and he had, did, to yeah. his credit. Yeah, so heading Not into... Not turning the ball here. over, either. Oh, yeah, oh. true. Yeah. Yeah. That was Nori rattling. Sure was, yeah. That was, apologies, <laughs> nice. that, that was my dog waking up from his... Oh, you should nap. never apologize for having a dog. He's <laughs> celebrated. I'm jealous. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to go to another playmaking big... Ben Simmons. You guys know I am a Philly homer through and through. I kept my expectations for Simmons in check. I just didn't know what to realistically expect from him, especially with, you know, he missed the first year. I didn't think Markel Fultz would have a shoulder injury, so I thought he was going to have to balance touches with Fultz. So far, Simmons has so vastly exceeded any expectations that I, or frankly anyone but the most 
you know, absurd Philly fan had for him that not only so is he, you, yeah, right. But not only is he a shoe in for rookie of the year, I mean, he is in legit contention for an all star berth as well. 18.6 points, 9.4 rebounds, 7.2 assists, 2.3 steals. I think that's the Did big not, surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Did not I, see that coming. Yeah. Like, I knew he was going to be a walking triple double threat at some point. I didn't know it would happen in his first, like, five games. But his activity on the defensive end is sublime. Like, he really has locked in on that level. And that was a concern with him coming out of college. In LSU, he just didn't really seem to give a damn all that much. But, you know, he has, what, 8 million reasons to change his mind about that this year? Like, now he is really locked in on that end as well. And it's helped the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, Joel Embiid is the big reason they have a top 10 defense. But having guys like Simmons and Covington playing good defense as well, I mean, they are just, with those three and Dario Saric in the starting lineup, they are just a long mess of limbs that is really difficult to pass around. So the... You know, the fact that Simmons is not just an offensive playmaker, but is also a promising defensive player. Now he's going from like, yeah, multi-time all-star to like, oh, he actually, he's a franchise cornerstone. He's got, you know, top 15 potential moving forward, top 10, dare I say. I mean, Lee Jenkins just had a story come out in Sports Illustrated yesterday where LeBron James told Ben Simmons that, Ben could be better than him someday. Yes, he said he can't skip the steps, but you know that's the type of talent we're talking about. So I would be remiss if I did not shout Ben Simmons out for being a very pleasant surprise in the first month of the season. Uh, who else for you, Mort? Do you feel good now? I do. Did you get this? Did you get this <laughs> off your chest? The the only thing he could uh, improve upon beyond his three point shooting, which he has yet to hit a three still. Uh, free throws, I would never like to see another game where he attempts 24 free throws in the fourth quarter again. So hopefully he becomes a better free throw shooter so no team emulates the hack of Ben strategy that the Wizards broke out on Wednesday night. If a guy takes 29 free throws in a game and he finishes with 31 points, <laughs> something's off. Let me yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. All right. So you got that off you. It's, mm-hmm. it's gone now, right? Yep. Yeah, I had a feeling. I've been avoiding Ben Simmons' conversations on this podcast because I knew that would just be an invitation to go down the rabbit hole. And <laughs> unlike Alice, never return. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to eat crow. And I'm going to go Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember when I said, ha, 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 that, sh- that trade is shit. You weren't the oh. only one. I know, but I was really crabbing on it because I said, and I will quote myself, the Oklahoma City Thunder got Paul George for a bad contract. Because mm-hmm. that's what I called him. He was a bad contract. Mm-hmm. Turns out, not surprisingly, Mort was wrong. Um, <laughs> I will say this. He didn't really show anything. or oh, Well, he showed something, but he didn't show quite as much over the past couple of years to warrant uh, necessarily the greatest vote of confidence in him. But that sure as hell is is on him right now. 23 points a game, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, almost 2 steals, a block, 44% from downtown on high volume, 5 free throw attempts per game, hitting 80%. 
this dude is is just getting it done in Indiana. His PER of almost 22, true shooting percentage of almost 58. I mean, what what can you really say about this guy? He came in, the expectations were just slim to none. You kind of thought, okay, he would have a a decent scoring year. He might re, you know regain his his sophomore stat line like 18 points four rebounds four assists but it's not just much it's not only the scoring it's the efficiency the all-aroundedness the defense just he's rounded out his game and i would be surprised if he's not an all-star even if indiana isn't the best team yeah i i like coming from it from a fantasy basketball perspective Victor Oladipo was an obvious breakout pick, but much like Aaron Gordon, I didn't expect him to break out to this degree. Mm. And then Sabonis, like yeah. all of us treated him as a throw-in, basically. We were all like, well, whatever. He didn't do anything in OKC. You know, Miles Turner went down with a concussion in the first game. Sabonis stepped right in and was putting up double-double left and right. Like, I don't want to say, you know, you're still taking, in terms of talent, you're still taking Paul George over Oladipo and Sabonis, but is as you said, it is nowhere near. Even you know, three months later, is nowhere near as bad of a trade as it looked like. Right after it happened, or even in the summer, mm. like the the Pacers are set up well now. They have two, you know, two guys they can legitimately build around moving forward. And Sabonis and call or Victor Oladipo's. Uh... Uh, chemistry is is pretty telling as well. I mean, the the dribble handoff action mm-hmm. between those two guys. Yep, that's. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's Kyrie, uh, Al Horford level, mm-hmm. but it's not dimensions off either. Yeah, they have good chemistry, and if you, you if you add Miles Turner to that thing, which you have right now, I mean, you at least have something you can build upon. Uh, slightly surprising or related as well. Bochan Bogdanovich is averaging 15 points a game. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> Hi, Bojan. <laughs> Sorry we forgot about you, but, I mean, yeah, you're still not rebounding, I see. Three a game. Right, but right. the Pacers as a whole, they, they, they're kind of fun. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think heading into the year, I said... I was concerned about them because I thought they had the ceiling of a 10 seed, but they would be too good to be like competing with Chicago, Atlanta, Phoenix, the, like the dregs of the league. Yeah. And, I mean, right now they're in the playoffs. Like if the playoffs started today, you know, they're only a half game above the Knicks. So a lot mm. can change in the next 60 games, but they're at least frisky enough to, you know, they're proving us all wrong so far. So I, I, I love the Oladipo pick and just the Pacers in general. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And, of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & more welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world 
When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. I think we need to talk about a couple defenses that realistically no one could have expected being as good as they are heading into the year. I'm going to leave the top one to you because it pains me to say anything good about that team. So I'm going to go with the Blazers, who have the number two defense in the league. Uh, They they haven't changed. Personnel-wise, they didn't change that much. One of their best defenders, Al Farouk Aminu, who's been out for a couple weeks now. What? How are they doing it? So Michael Pena, uh, Vice Sports, actually had a really good feature Tuesday, kind of asking that question, like how the hell is this? How is you know this Blazers team with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, neither of whom are perceived as great defenders? How are they the number two defense in the league? And they haven't, you know, schematically they haven't changed all that much. Apparently, it's just attention to detail. He spoke with a number of players, and that continued to come up. So it's just they they communicate better. I think having you know chemistry and have not having the roster turnover that a lot of teams did this summer. Like they went into training camp knowing, all right, it's going to be Dame, CJ, Yusuf Nurkic on the mm-hmm. blocks. Mo Harkless is a good defender. Al Farouk Aminu is a good defender. Those are going to be our guys. Let's develop some chemistry with that starting lineup. And the Aminu injury hurt, but it hasn't hurt that much. I mean, Portland is firmly in the playoff conversation at 13-9. and nine. Um, Harkless recently lost his starting job, and they, the Blazers are no worse for the wear, notwithstanding the absolute pacing the Bucks put on them Thursday night. So... You know, the Blazers, I think we've always thought of them as like a poor man's Rockets where they were yeah. just going to have a crappy defense. But if they could outscore you, if it was like 120 to 115, that's the way they're going to win a playoff series. If this Portland team, if this defense is real, they become that much more interesting in the playoff mix. Like, I don't think, yeah, I did not have them as a playoff team heading into the year. I regrettably had the Clippers, which is going to come and bite me in the ass. Uh, I think I had Portland ninth. So right now, given all the injuries in the West to Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, Rudy Gobert, uh, Mike Conley, it seems like Portland is comfortably going to make the playoffs. If this defense Uh is real, they might be primed for a first-round upset, particularly of a Minnesota team that we will talk about in a little bit. And imagine Damien actually hitting his stride from downtown. He's shooting 33% right now, which yeah. is not the norm. Right. Like, he's going to bounce back. For sure. For sure. Do you want dibs on the other good defense no one saw coming? <sighs> I really don't. <laughs> I'll, I could take and, it if you don't. No, no, no. I Here's the thing. We need to tell people why... It, we are Boston fatigued. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, let's just be honest here. There are a lot of good Boston fans. Like, you, you just uh, mentioned Michael Pena, who made the the, the article on Vice. You know, yep. he wrote that piece on the Blazers. Like, yep. he's a Boston fan. Yep. You have Jay King. You have James Hollis. You have a lot of good guys 
support Boston fans. It's it's the attachments of those guys, like the the followers of those guys, who are just consistently in in one's mentions and basically building the team up as if they even could beat you know the ninety eighty six version of that team, you know, which gets a little bit tiring because let's let's play a season before we know what's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but credit is well-deserved with Boston this year, especially for their defense. They lead the league, which is especially uh, impressive considering you have Kyrie Irving at the starting at the point guard position. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. I am sorry, I'm just forgetting names right now. But those two guys are, are just wrecking havoc. They have these they, they have these long arms and they are athletic and they're quick and they're young and they disrupt passing lanes and they just make life so difficult for opponents. Then you have Al Horford who can position himself perfectly basically everywhere on the court because he just understands basketball. You have Marcus Smart who you throw in as like a Swiss army knife defensively. He might suck offensively. He really does. He's shooting 31%. It's really awful. But defensively, he's sublime. And you can even argue that the activity level of Terry Rozier coming off the bench is adding to it. Because while Rozier, in a nutshell, and isolated, is not a strong defensive-minded player... He just comes in with such pizzazz and energy and high motor that teams are already tired at that point because they've tried to beat a well-established Boston defense. And then you, here comes a guy who's an energy bunny. And, oh, man, I, teams are just not up for the challenge by that time. And he utilizes that. So mm-hmm. he gets steals and, and just runs, te- runs uh, teams off the court. What Boston is doing right now is is really, really impressive. I still think they could have had a better summer. I'm not going away from that, but I I'm lo- I love what they're doing. It's it's really impressive. But before we move on, I have to ask you this question because I've seen this on Twitter a lot. Is Kyrie Irving the same player or is he a different level-top superstar? I think he is... I, I think he's more or less the same player. I just think he's getting more attention now that he's not playing next to LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Like he he's less worried about having like do I have to share the ball with this guy particularly in the fourth quarter. Like he just knows it, it you know much like in the fourth quarter in Portland at Damian Lillard time, Kyrie knows fourth quarter yeah. it's Kyrie time. Like I'm going to take over, I'm going to drive to the rack, I'm going to draw fouls, I'm going to hit three-pointers. That's just what I do. Like, I'm the guy that right. needs to create offense late in games. And he's, you know, he doesn't have to worry about, like, is LeBron James going to subtweet me after the game because I took five shots and he took two and we lost. Like, and if he does, fuck it because I'm on a different team. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Do you think he's the same, more or less the same player as well? I do. And I've just been kind of confused by the whole narrative that he suddenly was unlocked going to Boston. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he put on a different uniform. And, and we are seeing a more careful Kyrie when it comes to ball handling. And I, I get that he has lowered his turnover somewhat, and that's a thing. But, I, I mean, I'm looking at Al Horford as one of the reasons for it. I mean, this guy can handle the basketball. He can dribble. He's secure. He passes well. Like, he plays a big part in Boston's success. Yeah. I, I just, I think 
it would be unfair to Al to just kind of paint Kyrie as this sort of savior for the season. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean the the screens that Horford sets for Kyrie are impeccable. Also, the mm-hmm. dribble handoff action between the two of them, it's unreal for them only having played like just about 20 games together. I mean, it, yeah. it seems like they've been playing 5 years together. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's like I I think Kyrie is playing better than he ever has before, but I don't think it's like a whole step up. I just think the fact that the context around him has changed so much that like he's getting more attention now, but mm-hmm. you know, that's it. Like that, that's a compliment to him. Like he's just always been a really good player. Like that's, he was never, he should have never been viewed as like a little brother sidekick to LeBron in Cleveland. Like he's always been an all-star caliber player. And people said when he was in Cleveland, like, Oh, it's LeBron doing this. No, like I, Kyrie's really good. I, I yeah. pegged him as a dark horse MVP candidate heading into the year. I mean, I don't think he's going to get there. Like James Harden and LeBron, and you can pick a warrior. Like all of those guys are ahead of him right now, but he Giannis? at least. Yeah, Giannis. Like he, How did you forget Giannis? Well, Giannis is slowing down since the Bledsoe thing. He, ha- oh, he, has, he has not been as. I mean, right now, if you had to pick an MVP through the first quarter of the season, I think it's Harden without question. Um, LeBron's starting to heat up now that the Cavs decided to give a shit in November. Yeah. Um, but Yanis well, slowing down. I love that a guy slowing down is still averaging 29, 10, 4.5 assists, almost two steals and two blocks. But I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, he's not putting yeah. up like 35 plus points per night like he was right. in the first couple weeks of the season. Um, I'm actually going to go with LeBron James as another pleasant surprise. And I, you guys know I picked him as my MVP heading into the year. Uh, I mean, he's basically, like, I thought he was going to do an FU campaign. Like, basically his <laughs> blaze of glory as on his way out of uh-huh. Cleveland. Here's what's surprising. I mean, we knew, like, he's doing the same old thing. 28 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists a game. That's nothing new. He's shooting 42.5% from 3-point range. Uh-huh. Uh, nearly 5 attempts per game. That's the surprise. And so, apparently... He had an elbow injury during the off season, according to Dave McMenamin of ESPN, and like his McMenamin said, his right shooting elbow mysteriously swelled to the size of a tennis ball a few weeks after the NBA Finals. So he changed his shooting form, and so far the early returns are pretty damn good. I mean, he's you know he's got Kyle Korver, one of the best shooters in league history, to learn from and to play alongside. So I'm sure. You know, he's played alongside Ray Allen in the past, too. Uh, like, he, he's gotten all this advice from, you know, these knockdown shooters. If LeBron James turns into a 40% three-point shooter, and this is sustainable throughout the season, mm-hmm. I mean, goddamn, like, he's never going to slow down. He's just going to play till he's 45 and continue dropping 30-plus points a night. It's unreal. And it makes me, I mean... You know, we've both expressed our concerns about Cleveland's viability in the playoffs, both in the East and then against the Warriors. This version of LeBron, I'm not going to bet against. Like, I just, it's terrifying. And to imagine that he's turning 33. Yeah. In this a month. month. Yeah. This month. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, right. I guess, yeah, today's December 1st. So at the end of the month, he'll turn 33. He's averaging. 
1.2 blocks per game, a career high for a regular season, shooting 58.3% overall, mm. a career high. Like, there are just no words at this point to describe how good he is, but the fact that he's adding, like, again, if he added a reliable three-point stroke to his game, it what is this, year 15 of his career, that's lights out. It's lights out for the NBA. So I, I wanted to at least give Bron a shout-out for that particular development. We should also be on the lookout because this season he should crack 30,000 points, 8,000 rebounds, and 8,000 assists. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. And he's not far away from 2,000. He's not going to hit it this year, but in his career he's going to get 2,000 steals and 1,000 blocks as well. Probably, yeah, probably. Let's see, he had 44 blocks last year, 26 now. So he has to keep the current rate going. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, if he's playing to 45, who cares? Right. Exa- yeah, exactly. Like, he's yeah. he's only, he's about to turn yeah. 33. Like, he's going to get there. Of course he is. I just, yeah. I, I, I consistently have this feeling that he's at the end of his career because of his age. Like because he, yeah. this... Yeah, this is the age where Kobe started slowing down. That's true. I, yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that he has never had, you know, he's had a couple weird elbow injuries, including the one in 2010, right before yeah. he left Cleveland. But he's never had, knock on wood, a torn ACL, a torn Achilles, like any, right. any torn knee ligaments that would sust- sideline him for multiple months at a time. So, Is it weird that as his career progresses, I'm almost like, experiencing fear for him actually do you know causing harm to himself on the court <laughs> I, mean, I mean he might just be a robot at this point like that yeah right that's the only logical explanation for how he's doing what he's doing man yeah no it's insane yeah um all right i am going to go with chris dunn we need to talk okay. about chris dunn for a little yep. bit let's just say it right off the bat Chris Dunn is prob- probably not going to become the player that he was drafted as mm-hmm. in 2016. He was a top five pick, and he was coming in with Dwayne Wade comparisons. I even made that comparisons because he moved like him a lot mm-hmm. uh, out of Providence. And mm-hmm. a no to people who say, oh, he only wore his, his jersey number. That's why people said he, pl- he played like Wade. No. Not, not because it's just fluidity, has athleticism, defensive attention. And the defensive attention is one that has really been accurate. I am seeing a guy who gambles a lot, yes. But he's also grabbing two steals a game in less than 27 minutes at night. Mm-hmm. He is just clobbering smaller guards. He's a 6'4 guard who's got like a 6'9", 6'10", wingspan. And... He's finally realizing how to use that body of his. I was looking at that in Minnesota last year, and he just seemed to completely ignore the fact that he was bigger and stronger than most of his opponents. And now, suddenly, out of nowhere, he's going like, oh, hey, I'm I'm 6'4", 210 pounds. I'm playing a point guard position. I'm matched up against guys who are a lot smaller. I can abuse them. Mm-hmm. And he needs that credit. And his offense is coming along somewhat slowly, but it's coming along. So kudos to Chris Dunn. 
still turns the ball over way too much, but he's doing a little bit more than I expected. I thought he would be bad, yeah. and he hasn't been bad. And that's a compliment when you're a Chicago Bull. I, I like that pick. And if, if there are any people in fantasy basketball leagues out there, he's only owned in 30% of ESPN.com leagues. He should be owned in far more. I've been writing waiver wire rankings for fansided every week, and I mentioned him just about every week. Because he's, yeah, I mean, he's he's been playing, I'd say, as well as could possibly be expected for a Bulls That's point fair. guard of the yeah. future. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to do one more surprise. Uh, I got to go with Brandon Ingram here. You know, we, mm. early in the year, we were talking about him because Lakers fans were pretty checked out on him. Uh, and we're, you know, when D'Angelo Russell got off to that hot start, they were all like, Oh man, I wish we traded Brandon Ingram instead of D'Angelo Russell. I don't think they're saying that anymore. No. He's coming off of a 32-point performance against the Golden State Warriors. Yes, it was in overtime, but you know, if you were on Twitter when that game was going on, there was a lot of the Spider-Man pointing at each other memes with him and Kevin Durant. Uh, over not counting the 32-pointer. Let's see, over his last six, he's had double-digit points in every game. He's averaging 17 points, nearly seven rebounds, four assists, and 1.3 blocks in just under 33 minutes a night. Yeah. He looks, he's starting to look like the player that we expected him to become coming out of Duke. Like, I think last year he was just really young. He's still really young. He just turned 20 in September. He's still really skinny. It's going to take him some, a while to build out his frame, just like it will for any player that young and that skinny. But if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm feeling pretty damn good about Brandon Ingram right now. Like I, I can now see why Magic Johnson, over the offseason, said people were calling about Brandon Ingram engaging his trade value. And Magic's like, we just hung up the phone every time. We're not trading him. And you know, early in the season, that looked laughable. It's not laughable anymore. He looks like a legit piece to build around moving forward for the Lakers. Yes. Whether or not he's the new Kevin Durant, I'm personally very skeptical. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I don't think he's ever going to be that superstar that we had in mind. Yeah. But a, a very strong, long career where he makes the All-Star team at least a couple times, mm-hmm. that seems very reasonable. Yeah. I, th- I mean, like... I- going to those comparisons for a minute like i I, it's dumb to compare players to the top three or four players in the league like ben simmons should not be compared to lebron james because lebron james is one of the three best basketball players to ever play the game like that's a very effing high bar to set like if ben simmons is 80 percent of lebron i'm happy if brandon ingram is 80 percent of kevin durant who you know who knows how many rings he's gonna win in Golden State, but like he could retire, what at least as a top fifteen all time player, depending on how much success he has over the next yeah. couple of years. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, like I, it's not fair to a Brandon Ingram to say, yeah, he's the next top fifteen all time player. Like there aren't, there just aren't that many of those guys. So just correct me if I'm wrong here, but when we were podcasting back in 2015, right? Uh huh. Or or sixteen, sorry. You were pretty much on the whole Ben Simmons as a LeBron James type of player coming out. Yeah, when they, the Sixers won the lottery, 
stylistically they are very similar if i mean like and if that's the comparison you're going for that's fine like if if you're just saying like he reminds me of that type of player because he's a big guy oh, yeah, who can yeah, pass yeah. and handle the ball and transition. And Brandon Ingram reminds me of Kevin Durant because he's a lot, tall, lanky guy who can shoot over everyone. Right. That's fine. But, like, don't peg – you know, I, I just don't like when we peg these players. Like, when Lonzo Ball is getting pegged as the next Magic Johnson, get the fuck out of here. Like, just right. don't do that to these guys. Like, they, ha- yeah. it's hard enough to transition to the NBA. They don't need – those type of expectations like call him the next rudy gay and then he's going to be better than rudy gay so then that's fine then he can exceed the expectations but like let's not put them up against like i don't want to hear about the next steph curry like nick stauskas was not the next steph curry sorry no buddy heel is yeah right is he (laughs) no but i think i think you you raise an interesting point here there are statistical profiles and there are playing style Mm mm-hmm and if you compare statistical profiles, it's basically a moot point right off the bat because you can't compare a guy coming off college to a guy averaging 26 points a night. And more than that, actually, because Durant is a beast. Yeah. Um, agreed. Like, playing style, body-wise, yeah, sure, you can make those comparisons. It's okay. Like, DeAndre Ayton, his physical profile... Reminds me of David Robinson, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean he's David Robinson. Mm-hmm. He's very likely not, not David right. Robinson. Yeah. The odds are firmly against him being David Robinson. <laughs> Extremely low. Yeah. Um, so, so that's the that's the physical profile, and that's fine and dandy. But yeah, you you just can't compare the statistical slash production lines of it all so maybe we should just be more careful Mm -hmm. and and attach more words to the way that we compare players yeah i completely agree with that and i want to make it clear i was not attacking you in that in that rant of course you were you (laughs) dirtbag just just the overall sentiment of you know pegging this guy as the next step curry or next next michael jordan like let's chill it's, Bite it's, your goddamn tongue. Whoever said something like that next, Michael. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. Right. Just, just the competitive nature of Mike alone. Yeah. Like, I mean, people are saying Russell Westbrook, but get the fuck out of that. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> right. I mean, Mike could Mike could step on a piece of gum outside, and he would be pissed off at a city for five years because why didn't you clean your sidewalks? I'm going to average 40 on your asses. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not, um, not saying Mike was healthy, by the way. Right. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And 
and friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. All right, any other surprises jump out to you, or do you want to flip over to the disappointments? I mean, uh, look, um, I did not expect Lonzo Ball to be this good. I mean, 31% from the field. <laughs> oh, my God. 26% from downtown, 47% from the line. I mean, oh, hashtag numbers. Oh, man. Well, I guess we're moving to the disappointments. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do you have anything else to add about Lonzo? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I was kidding because okay. it's 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 fun to see the reactions of it. He's yeah. look. I think we can all agree on something. Right now, he is horrible. He yeah. is absolutely horrible right now. But that's okay. Yeah, he's a rookie. He's twenty years old. Barely turned twenty, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's rebounding really, really well. Yep. He's playmaking well. I mean, he's putting out, He's getting more steals and blocks than I ever thought. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that he's a strong defender necessarily, but it means he can pick up stats, and eventually those stats could lead to meaningful defense. So I'm like, you know, give the kid some time. I don't think he's he's got the same ceiling as I maybe thought going into the draft. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That doesn't mean he's a bust. Yeah, he's playing badly, but look, five years down the line, he might be good. Um, is he going to be a top five wing player or a guard? Probably not. But he could still be decent. That's fine. That's all good. So that was just more of a commentary of, of his you know, perception. And of course what Voldemort brings. Right. And I, I think yeah. that's... I saw this on Twitter the other day because someone retweeted a Skip Bayless tweet, actually. And Skip Bayless was defending Lonzo and saying, like, yeah, he's shooting like shit, but, you know, he's already had, I think, two triple-doubles. He's, as you mentioned, like, rebounding well, getting a lot of assists. Like, mm-hmm. outside of the shooting woes, he is playing about as expected perhaps as you mentioned even better defensively than expected at least in terms of steals and blocks yeah it's just Voldemort built such high expectations for him and I don't even think people like most of us didn't buy into them right like none of us thought oh yeah he's gonna walk on the floor and be the next magic like we knew he was gonna struggle because we knew that shot was broken and hashtag we though yeah like Twitter crowd. Sorry, I mean that that's not to put ourselves in a higher position, but right. those of us who write about the league, who podcast about the league, who follow the league religiously, we have a oh my god, we're going to lose 1000 listeners for saying <laughs> this, but we have a slightly higher uh, understanding of the league than the casual fans. And then remember that we're talking about Lakers fans yeah, that's here. True. And no disrespect to hardcore Lakers fans. Quite the opposite. A lot of respect to hardcore Lakers fans because those guys are actually pretty smart. Mm-hmm. It's the casual Laker fans yeah. that are just turning every word that Voldemort said <laughs> and going, oh, now I expect this and this and that. Yeah. So you're right. Like, hashtag we yeah. right, expected right. this and that's fine. But the average crowd are now going, 
oh, he sucks. He's bad. We should trade him. Let's get him. <laughs> let's tr- let's get a second round pick for him while we still can. Yeah. And shut the fuck up. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Julian Okafor can't even fetch a second round pick, so maybe they're onto something. That's true. <laughs> no. May- oh, maybe a swap there. Yeah. yeah. Lonzo for Jalil. Here we go. Perfect. Everyone's happy. Everyone's yeah. you. You get your center, Laker fans. <laughs> Casual Lakers fans. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, yes, he's the shooting is a concern. They're gonna work on the shot over the summer. They just didn't want it. Oh. They. I think they like wanted him. They wanted to see if it would work. And so far, it hasn't. Maybe he turns it around over the next 60 games. But if not, Magic has already said, look, if he keeps shooting like this, we're going to talk to him over the summer. We're going to rework the shot. Like, they're mm-hmm. they're not going to give up on him because he can't shoot well. Like, he, he is still their point guard of the future, for better or worse. So, yes, he's been a disappointment so far relative to expectations, not only based on his father, but, you know, as the number two pick. You right. have a certain baseline of expectations, and he has yet to live up to them as a scorer. But that's fine. Like, I, I, I feel like he, I never expected him to shoot well. I didn't expect it to right. be this bad, but I did not. I, I figured he would struggle. So it's, it's a disappointment, yeah. but it's not a surprising disappointment, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And look, here's on the bright side: in in five or six years' time. I promise you the Chinese Chinese League will have a fantastic streaming service available so we can follow him there if things go <laughs> goes badly. Oh my god. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Could you imagine LeVar Ball trying to take a Oh, sorry. Oh, oh no. no. I said it. No. Damn it, Morton. <laughs> Could you imagine Baltimore? Oh, oh no, god. the magic's gone. Could you imagine <laughs> LeVar taking on China? No. I don't. No, my god. I'm not, I'm not going down that path. <laughs> um, all right. I want to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder for a minute. Oh, not only are they outside of the playoff picture at 8-12 and 12 right now, but they are a godless abomination in crunch time. <laughs> they are. When they get in the close games, they are 1-9. Their net rating in clutch oh. situations is a minus 42.2. Ugh. That is below every team except for the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, again, to a certain extent, we figured they might struggle, especially in those situations, because Russ is coming off of his triple-double campaign where he's just pounding the ball on the floor every possession in the fourth quarter, and it just all came down to him. Carmelo and Paul George are used to being the number one options on their team. It takes a while to figure out the pecking order, basically. They brushed off those concerns early in the year, but they continue to bite them in the ass, especially in close games in the fourth quarter. I think they get it figured out in time. Like, I'm not writing them off. You know, right. I, I think they're still going to be in the playoffs. I'm expecting them to figure this out over the coming weeks, especially because, you know, this is a too, too high profile of a, a combination not to put the effort in to figure this thing out like all of those guys are hopefully level-headed enough to not just like check out mentally on the year but god damn minus 42.2 that's i mean they are the bulls just for context who have played nine crunch time games so far are a Mm -hmm. minus 19.4 the chicago bulls yeah i know 
who are a train wreck among train wrecks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Thunder are twice as bad. More than twice as bad. So here's what's funny to me. Because we anticipated this Thunder squad to be decent offensively because of all the offensive talent. Uh Uh-huh. And be somewhat shaky defensively. Yep. They are the third best defense in the league, and they have the 21st best, or 8th worst, however you want to call it, Mm. uh, offense in the league. Yeah. Which is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. I mean, I I think a lot of it comes down to they just need to figure out... It's it's a matter of developing chemistry between those three guys. And until they Mm -hmm. do that... Yeah, they're as you said, they're playing really well defensively. Paul George looks more locked in than ever on that end. And we saw that phenomenon happen with KD last year in Golden State, too. The, the less energy you have to devote offensively, being the takeover guy every possession, the more you can do defensively. So Paul George is taking advantage of that. Carmelo... Uh, it's Carmelo. Yeah, right. He's like he's still kind of a train wreck on defense. Like there are some clips going around from that Magic game the other night where he would try to close out on Aaron Gordon, and his feet were just kind of. I think someone said he was having a seizure, or his feet were having a seizure because <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't really know. Like he just kept him moving, did not ever plant into a stance, and Aaron Gordon just blew by him like three or four times. Um, oh no yeah, yeah but like they have the pieces i mean roberson they have westbrook could be a good defender steven adams is above average as well like they mm. have the pieces to be a good defensive team once they figure it out on offense i have confidence they will be back in the playoff mix but it's hard not to be disappointed by the thunder through the first quarter of the season can we also talk about how russell westbrook um this year at least it should be somewhat unacceptable that he's averaging 4.7 turnovers considering yeah. he has a Paul George and a Carmelo Anthony next to him. Yeah, I know. I mean, a friend of the podcast, James Hollis, who is one of the most ardent Westbrook defenders on basketball Twitter, has even started putting the microscope on, on Russ recently. Yeah. I've just been saying, you know, they're, they're not playing. I think, I think it was against the Magic the other night. He had four first quarter turnovers. It's just like, it's not going to get it done. It's just not how you win, not how you win games. So yeah, I, I, that's a, a really good point. More the turnovers. I mean, you know, he's been a turnover machine for years. But as you said, playing next to those two guys, it's not like he has to make make as much happen on his own as he did last year. So there's much less of an excuse this time around. And it's impressive. Because, it's almost impressive because the team, as in itself, is seventh in the league and hanging on to the basketball so westbrook himself solely is responsible for them not having like an elite security team when it comes to not turning the ball over yeah wow that's that's atrocious yeah it is all right so looking at disappointments i'm glad you took okc because i wasn't going down that well miami yeah I still like the signings, Brian. You do? I know they yeah, because what the what did they have? Like right. what what was the alternative? Right. Like that turnaround last season. Yeah. I get why they had to gamble on it. Yeah, I agree. I get it. But at this point they were close to five hundred, they're ten and eleven, so they still have time to turn around. Mm-hmm. So at this point, if they do like if they make the switch like they did last year 
this podcast is going to look foolish. <laughs> right. But it's because we all expected them to come out and resume what they did last year. And I think that was flawed logic from our point of view. Mm-hmm. We well, should have tempered yeah. our expectations a little bit. Yeah. Um, I thought Josh Richardson would be a lot better. Yeah. He's been my biggest disappointment for that team specifically. Like yeah. 37% from the field. But the big knock here, 27 percent from downtown on five attempts in 21 games like this guy shot what 40 40 something right in his rookie season yeah 40, from downtown 46.1 46 yeah okay and he was that shot he was yeah. not great last year he was only at 33 right but still. so now we have one year yeah. of good shooting mm-hmm. and we've had yes yeah, okay not two full years so far, but we've had more games with average to poor shooting than we've had with good. Yeah, I mean, this so, is like Marcus Smart level terrible. It is. So what are they going to do? Yeah. If he if, if this is the true Josh Richardson and the first season was the outlier, mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be horrible. Yeah. Um, like, what do they do? Where do they go from here? And also, relatedly, how do they get Hassan Whiteside more motivated slash involved mm-hmm. well it's gonna be tricky because I, I believe I saw on Twitter today that he is out for the next yeah he's out at least one to two weeks for a left yeah. knee bone yeah. bruise so yeah but when he returns so that yeah, that's not yeah, the yeah. the longest timeline thankfully yeah. but hopefully yeah. I mean we don't they, they said at least one to two weeks so it could be longer oh, than yeah. that um, but yeah I mean I'm, I'm with you in and just what I mean, I I had the Heat. I think pretty sure I had them seventh preseason. Yeah, you had them high. You had yeah, them really like, high. A, a comfortable seventh. I thought the eighth was coming down to Detroit and Philly, and I thought Charlotte, who we'll talk about momentarily, and Miami were like the six and seven pretty easily. Um, mm. Yeah, and we had when we did the Southeast Division preview, we had Alana Tahauer, who writes, I believe it's for All You Can Heat. Um, you know, she was pegging them as a possible top four seed, which I, you know, when, when we talked to her, it, it seemed at least possible. Like if things yeah, broke right for them, like, I mean, I love their depth chart is really good. Like I, I like a lot of their players. They have the requisite depth to survive injuries, maybe not to Whiteside or to Goran Dragic, but like if Dion Waiters went down, they had Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson if James Johnson went down, they had Justice Winslow and Kelly Olynyk who could fill in as a four times. Like oh Wayne Ellington as yeah, well, who's, who's actually playing well this year. Yeah. yeah, like they they and they're spreading their minutes out well. I mean, I still like this team on paper. It's just it hasn't clicked yet. I guess luckily they haven't dug themselves into what an eleven and thirty hole like they did last year. Mm. So yeah. if they do dig themselves out this year, it's going to be a lot less challenging than it was last year. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Richardson. Deion Waiters is barely cr- – he's not cracking 40%. He's just under. Tyler Johnson's shooting 34.6% from the field and 29.9 yeah. from three-point range. It's hard to find an offensive bright side. I guess Goran Dragic is probably and, – and James Johnson is just doing James Johnson things. But outside of that, it's been – 
it's been a disappointing start to a team that was really hot at the end of last year. I think that's the safe to say. Yeah. So, I'm not. This is not a prediction. This is just sort of something I wouldn't be surprised to see happen. So with Whiteside going out, let's say he's out for three, three to four weeks instead, mm-hmm. and Bam out of bio comes in and, and he just feeds off everyone else. Mm-hmm. He doesn't demand touches. He plays around the rim. He takes open mid-range J's. And suddenly you look down and the Heat are considerably above 500. Mm-hmm. What the hell is your play from there? I don't know. I mean, I feel like you've kind of... You know, you mentioned you're okay with the signings from this past summer, and I am too. The thing that gave me pause with them was the length, not the... The value is fine. Right. Yeah, but like they just lock themselves into four years of mediocrity if those guys don't take off. Yeah, but I mean, like, do you trade Hassan if it turns no, out that I don't think you? I, I I guess Dragic would be the logical one because he's got a reasonable contract, and I think he's only signed. He can opt out, I believe, after twenty eighteen nineteen. I'm gonna double check that to make sure I'm not lying. Um. But he he was signed on one of the post cap or pre cap spike jumps, so yeah. yeah he can opt out in 2019. So he's only 17 million this year, 18.1 next year, and then he can opt out in 2019, uh, decline a 19.2 million player option, which you have to assume he's going to do if only to lock in one more long term deal because he'll be heading to, into his age 33 season at the time. Mm-hmm. Um. But you wouldn't trade Hassan for like a pace and space big? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I guess it depends on who. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't, you know, we were talking about this last episode. Like, I wouldn't trade Hassan Whiteside for DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, 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 well, when it comes to the Heat, because they have a lot of those deals, I would just trade for DeAndre Jordan just to get off that deal. Later yeah. on, I wouldn't re-sign him. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I think Dragic, at least because you can feasibly plug Tyler Johnson in at the point guard spot mm. and kind of just run, you know, Dion can play make, Josh Richardson. They can all, like, create shots for themselves, so you don't necessarily need... I mean, Goran Dragic is averaging 4.5 assists per game, so it's not like he's the traditional... No, the ball not. off the You know, pound the ball off the floor every time. Um so I feel like he would have some trade value, but I don't know. It's it's a tough spot for the Heat to be in. I, I still think they'll turn it around and sneak into the playoffs, but it's a valid question, especially if Whiteside, as you mentioned, is out for longer than expected. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to go... Let's stick, I guess, to the Southeast Division. I mentioned earlier, I had the Charlotte Hornets as a comfortable playoff team. Right now they are 8-12. and 12. They're only two and a half games out of a playoff spot at the moment, but I don't know. It's just, this team is, it just hasn't lived up to expectations. And in part, we knew it was going to be a tough start to the season because Nick Batum suffered a torn ligament in his elbow in the preseason, missed basically the first month of the year. He's played seven games. He's only shooting 37% so far, but hopefully that will go up. He already suffered a elbow bruise that forced him to miss a game. Um, so, you know, maybe it's just a matter of they need Batum back and healthy and hitting a normal percentage of his shots. And then 
things will start clicking because like Dwight Howard's playing well. I mean, yeah, he's doing decently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we said it when he came into the year. Like he played well in Atlanta. He's he's not as bad as national perception makes him seem. Jeremy Lamb's actually playing really well, and you know mm-hmm. he he filled in admirably for Batum. I guess the disappointments so far have been Marvin Williams. He just he had that career year, I believe, two years ago. Yeah, he just hasn't been able to build on it. And then MKG, at this point, it just feels like he is what he is, and I don't know. It, it begs the question of once Batum is back and healthy maybe you keep Jeremy Lamb in the starting lineup and move MKG to the bench. But at that point, yeah. you might, you know, maybe you value Lamb off the bench as your sixth man who can kind of command that second unit. I It feels like the Hornets can still get back into this thing as long as Kemba stays upright. But I had higher hopes for them so far than they've been able to deliver on. I'm really surprised you did not mention Malik Monk here. Yeah, uh, I, he's my baby boy. I don't want <laughs> yeah. to rock the boat. But yeah, yeah I mean, what, 35% overall? Hmm. It's, he's doing okay from three, like yeah. 34.6, which is okay for a rookie. But he came in with some pretty high expectations as a scorer mm-hmm. and, and to give them a lift. And, and you know, fair, uh, he's averaging 7.6 points points a game in 17 and a half minutes that's decent production but his inefficiency is just it's not helping the issue right um but again like he needs time i get that it's completely fair but had he been a knockdown shooter right off the bat we would have seen a different hornet team yeah um, i true. would definitely move uh, michael kit gilgrist to the bench i don't think he's starting material anymore his defense is good but the thing with him was, the hope was, if he never developed a jump shot, he was still a good dribbler, mm-hmm. and he could pass the basketball. Mm-hmm. So he was he was kind of projected as being this sort of <laughs> Scottie Pippen-type player, but without the offense. <laughs> right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, do yeah. The, the, the Swiss army knife thing, but just without the ability to score. Mm-hmm. All right. 0.6 assists. You know, he doesn't really handle the ball a whole lot. He doesn't, you know, grab two steals a game and swat two shots. He's not Gerald Wallacing it up right there. Right. Or even like what Damari Carroll is doing in Brooklyn. Yeah. Or what he did in <laughs> Oh, that's... <laughs> I mean, that's... like That's, that's where of, we're at, right? Right. Yeah. That's what you would want to see. And yeah. Oh, I, I would be remiss to not mention Michael Carter-Williams, who's shooting a sterling... 20.9% overall. Just well done. MK, yeah, MCW. Yeah. yeah. And that was that was a concern that we had coming into the season. We said if Kemba goes down, their point guard depth is awful. Yep. So they far. They couldn't even get... Yeah, so far so true. Like Malik Monk would probably have taken a few minutes and he's not been delivering as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they, here's the thing. They just need one. They need one guy out of that group to just buck the trend mm-hmm. and and start hitting. Yeah. And it was Lamb. I just think it's now you need to reintegrate Batum back into the lineup and not throw Lamb off. Because Lamb, I would argue he's been their second best player. I guess, you know, it's between him and Dwight. But 
I agree with you, but I would argue on one point. I think they always needed a Jeremy Land and Jeremy Lamb, and I think they need that extra boost now. Like Lamb right now is one of the major reasons they are they have the eight wins. Yeah, for sure. So if you have like a Dwayne Bacon or a Malik Monk, who just suddenly out of nowhere starts hitting jump shots and is a reliable offensive player, that the whole chemistry of the offensive responsibility could change. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is like interesting to see if that's going to happen. Because you can't really ask Kemba to do a hell of a lot more. No, you definitely cannot. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more any other disappointments jump out to you oh i i you know i have one and i hate going it i hate going there so because we both agreed on this a couple years back um we had run this podcast for a few months and we were we were going deep on carl anthony towns Mm -hmm. and you and i were just nodding our heads in agreement so proud of each other because of the fact that we were certain that he was going to turn into this defensive force under tips and you know defensive player of the year awards were just gonna fall by his feet it was going to be amazing and right now i would argue he is one of the worst defensive big men in the entire league yeah it is so bad that i'm right now contemplating you know, the theory that he might never be good defensively. I'm like, I'm hesitant to go there if only because it's a theory. Yeah, I know. I I mean, I'm, I'm equally alarmed this year and, you know, especially you figured like, yeah, first year under Tibbs, it's going to take time. They brought in Jimmy, they brought in Taj. You figured Taj would be able to kind of impart that veteran wisdom help him with a Tibbs scheme in particular, the fact it hasn't happened still and that he's, you know, this slow on defense. The speed, I feel like, is the big concern. Like, it just seems like he's not recognizing where he needs to be. Like, he doesn't understand positioning as well as he should. Mm -hmm. But that said, you know, he's, what, 21, 22? Like, We've seen it. Twenty-two. Happen, Twenty-two. So we've seen it happen with big men, where it just takes them time to figure this stuff out. Like it, you know, it's point guards and big men often have the longest acclimation period to the NBA coming out yeah, of college. That's, that's true. So like you know, after basically 
I don't want to say we wrote off Andre Drummond, but saying after saying that he stagnated last year and then seeing what he's turned into this year, I don't want to like write off Carl Anthony Towns at the age of twenty two becoming a better defender. You know, he no just, no he right. just turned twenty two in November fifteenth. Like he's but but he's not going to be like a TPOY player. Yeah, it, that is looking progressively more doubtful. I will give right. you that for sure. That's the thing. Like we we labeled him, we and the rest of basketball Twitter labeled him, you know, as a coming future defensive force. Yeah. So I think that's the narrative that I'm trying to break off here. I'm yeah. not. I'm definitely in full agreement with you. I think he is going to become, at the very, at the very least, a slightly below average defender, which yeah. you can survive with, like you can have on the floor. Mm-hmm. But I just don't. I don't think he's going to be that force. I don't think he's going to win all those awards. And I'm just kind of doubting if he's ever going to be downright good on that end. Mm-hmm. Because like he gets bullied in the post, even though he's stronger. Like He doesn't realize his his own size. Yeah. I, I, I'm, just, I'm completely dumbfounded when someone goes into the post against him. Like it's, He just has no clue. He, he bites on f- small head fakes... He reaches, his feet are completely out of position, and before you know it, it's a simple, you know, one-step pivot, boom, layup, or a small fadeaway jump shot that is completely wide open. He just doesn't guard them that well. And you, when you're a big, you need to be able to defend in isolation. Yeah. In particular. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It's... I think you're right in that it's too. It's I'm not ready to write him off as a possibly average to above average defensive player, but DPOY that that ship does at least yeah. for now it appears to have sailed, and it's I mean yeah. it's really affecting. You know the Timberwolves are fine right now; they're fourth in the West. They're thirteen and nine, so like they aren't having. It's not like they're going to miss the playoffs because of it, but their defense right now is twenty third in the league. Which, coming, you know, it's a Tibbs team. You, you do not expect a Tibbs team to be fifth in offense at 23rd in defense. But here mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Who else? I'm going to go. Yeah. We, we talked about this guy a couple weeks ago. But I, the whole Nerland situation in Dallas is just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, God. It, like, he, the fact that he's, I mean, he's barely getting minutes. Like, just, it, it's you know, you had to figure they offer him a four-year, seventy million dollar deal. He turns it down. He wants a max deal. He takes the qualifying offer. That probably rubbed some people in the Dallas organization the wrong way. But I, like, he was getting consistent minutes until the early November. Since then, he's gotten four did not plays and has not played. He hasn't played more than what six minutes in a game since November fourth. It's December first now. Like, if we're going to have the free Jaleel Okafor campaign, can we also have the free New Orleans Noel campaign? Like, it's really, I mean, my God, like, this, he's a good, you know, he, he's not anything special offensively. He's mostly just a rim runner. They, they profiled him as the next Tyson Chandler. I feel like, you know, <laughs> we, we just went on this rant about not calling players uh, the next X, mm-hmm. but stylistically as you said they profile as yeah there we go yeah adding um, more words yeah uh but 
you know, defensively, he is he's legit. Like, if he gives a shit, which maybe he doesn't in Dallas anymore, maybe Rick Carlisle has just snuffed out his love of playing basketball. But it's just such a bummer. Like, I, I hope, I think it's safe to say that if the Mavericks don't trade him which by the trade deadline, which they should, considering there is no way in hell he is re-signing with them, mm-hmm. um, I just hope he finds his way to a team that's actually going to let him play next year. Where do you want him to land? I mean, this is where it comes down to what what he thinks of himself as. Like, if he thinks... If he wants to prioritize being a starting center and he doesn't give a damn whether he's going to a good team or a bad team, I think that's the wrong approach for him to take. But it's not my money. So (laughs) who am I to tell him where to go? But I would like to see know that's You know that's going to be his approach. Right. But I'd like to see him go... I mean... You know, Brooklyn would be fun just because them them getting lottery talent at like discount prices is awesome, and it, it just I love Sean Marks for what he's been doing there. But I think I saw Darren Wolfson of um, ESPN fifteen hundred mention mm-hmm. Minnesota is possibly interested in him. That would be interesting as a backup big to Towns. I, Milwaukee, hmm. I know they've got a million bigs still, but that would be fun. Like, I don't know what the asking price is for a guy who is clearly not coming back next year. Like, I don't think the Mavericks could possibly get if they can get a first round pick for them for him. Kudos to them. So, I, you know, I don't know what they would be looking for, or if they're just like, screw it, we're just gonna chain you to the bench all year because we hate you that much. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to see him go to a playoff caliber team where he's maybe not the starter he maybe comes in and plays 20 25 minutes a game off the bench but infuses the bench with some you know defensive energy intensity basically like what the wizards thought they were getting from Ian Mahinmi that did not turn out to be the case and if he could find a place where he's the starter more power to him but i still think washington like you just yeah. mentioned it yeah so yeah or i mean Toronto would be fun, like Cleveland, just because that's where all players who get bought out either end up in Cleveland or Golden mm-hmm. State. I mean, no, but like if you imagine on Washington, yeah, it, when you think about it, like the age kind of fits with Wall and Beal. Yeah, that's true. And you have Marching Gartat, who's going to be thirty-four, mm-hmm. so he would be like the natural, you know, predecessor. No successor. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. They just English need... is still my second language. <laughs> yeah. They would just need to trade for him and get his bourbon, yeah. so they can go over the cap to resign him. But yeah, I mean, right. So, I mean, that would just be logical. And and yeah. here's the thing: I'm still not in love, like I said in the last episode, with centers who can't shoot. In right. fact, I would stay clear of them as much as I can. However, if you can get Nerlens for real damn cheap. Mm-hmm. And the contract that you re-signed with him is of of good value for for the team, like I don't know eight eight to nine million a year. Mm-hmm. Then why not? Yeah, right. He even could if, outproduce that contract easily, even if it's only a one or a two year deal. And right. then you know if he if he lives up to expectations, re-sign him for more later on, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think 
teams should be calling Dallas quickly about Nerlens because he's he's better than this. Like he he oh, deserves absolutely. to be playing minutes somewhere. Yeah. Uh, any other disappointments jump out to you, Mort? I'm looking over not just the the standings, but also looking over rosters and whatnot. And well, I was I was actually gonna point out um, uh, Justin Holiday from the Bulls, but I kind of think he has an excuse because it, it, the, the the knock on him, which is fair, is that he's just he's shooting so much and he's not hitting anything. I mean, he's shooting thirty seven percent and. <laughs> 7.73 point attempts per game mm-hmm. but it's all by design and i i have a hard time blaming a guy on something when it's when something's by design by the mm-hmm. coach and you can just hear fred scream constantly that when when justin has the ball and there's just a slither of daylight shoot it shoot it and he's not a volume shooter he's one of those guys that feeds off of others so when he's asked to be the primary you know, shot taker and shot maker, you're putting him in a position that he's just not used to. He's not accustomed to it. It's not his style. So I think the disappointment here, which really isn't a disappointment because we all know that Fred sucks, mm-hmm. is just that Fred sucks a lot more than we thought he would. So yeah. that's the disappointment. The disappointment is this should be a rebuilding year, which is also meant as a teaching year for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is just loading up this team with bad habits. Mm-hmm. That's disappointing for any team rebuilding. You don't want to use the rebuilding process as a means of building bad habits. Mm-hmm. And of course the Bulls are doing that. Yeah. That's... <laughs> All fair points. Um, yeah, I mean, you. I guess you could just call the Bulls a disappointment in general, but that seems unfair because we knew exactly what, what we were yeah, doing we this year. I mean, yeah. I, I think the fact that we could name so many surprises, and there are frankly a lot that we probably didn't even touch on, and not as many disappointments, speaks to the, how well the league is positioned right now. Like, mm-hmm. outside of a handful of teams most of whom at least have one or two prospects or players worth monitoring anyway i mean like the sun suck but they have devin booker the hawks suck but like torian prince is really fun john collins he's out for a couple weeks now but he's great like yeah the league is in phenomenal shape right now so i think overall probably my biggest surprise is just the the state of the Eastern Conference in particular, the fact that we made so many jokes about, you know, in the offseason, how much talent went to the West, like the East of the JV to the West Varsity. Mm. They're going to have trouble filling the Eastern Conference All-Star team, as you joked about earlier. No, they aren't. Like, there are plenty of deserving players in both conferences. In fact, I mean, one could argue the East so far through the first quarter of the season has... You know, the West has Houston, Golden State, San Antonio, all of whom are great. San Antonio, of course, without Kawhi Leonard, is 14-7. and seven. Like, just wait till Kawhi comes back. Like, they, you know, those are three legit championship contenders. But then in that, like, next tier, you could argue the East has more teams in that tier. Washington, yeah. Detroit, Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, depending on how you feel about them. 
you know, than the West, who is just ravaged by injury. I guess a disappointment would be all the injuries. I'm going to hope. Injury, yeah, lots yeah, of injuries. going to hope yep. those, we nip those in the bud early, and that means everyone's back and healthy by the playoffs. But, you know, we've already lost Gobert for a month. Millsap until February, probably. Patrick Beverly's mm. done for the year. Conley's out with the Achilles. No Terrence more. Ross out yeah. indefinitely. Yeah. And now Shumpert's out. Uh, for like two, two months. months. Yeah. D'Angelo Russell, Jeremy Lin, Gordon Hayward. Like, the list goes on. That's a bummer. But thankfully, the league is in such good shape that even mm. without all of those players, like, I, I've just been having a damn ball with this season. I You know, we know how it's going to end. It's going to end with the Warriors championship <laughs> more likely than not. But... As we said coming into the year, there's a lot of reason to tune in every night. It's still oh, yeah. really fun. So We are in, St- in Stewie's time machine because I've heard, I was pretty young at the time, but that everyone, every NBA fan back in 1997 mm-hmm. were kind of like, oh, we know the Bulls are going to win the ring again with Michael because they were coming off the 72-10 season. Sure. So that season for, for a lot of people were like, oh, you know, we know what's going to happen. There's no level of excitement to it, but then, you know, you had Glenn Rice and Mitch Richmond just going off, and it was a fun season anyway. So it's 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 nice to see that some things mm-hmm. return to form. Also, Lamarcus Aldridge, we forgot good. about him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good a good note to sign off on. He is bawling his brains out mm. right now, and I hope Sarah's he- favorite player, <laughs> every Spurs fan's favorite player. Yeah, hopefully he can keep it up when Kawhi comes back, which seems like it might be in a couple weeks. So that'll be fun. Um, Until then... Until that that gets pushed back. Yeah, right. Again and again and again. (laughs) Uh, But until then, that'll do it for this episode of the NBA Podcast. Thank you all for joining us. Reminder that you can follow us on Twitter. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can follow us at the NBA Pod. We're also on iTunes. So please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. Always fun recording three and a half hours of podcast with you. <laughs> that's, that's how we do. Happy Friday. <laughs> you too, man. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & More more. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy! They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and more. 
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants.